you would remain standing and, and turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. We'll be starting at verse 14 and going through chapter 2, uh, verse 4 this morning. So this is Hebrews chapter 1. Are they not all ministering spirits? And he's referring to angels here. Are angels not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away for it, from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. You may be seated. And as you do, if you would, please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and honoring in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. Well, this week we celebrate the presence of the angels at the birth of Christ. It is the angel candle. It is the fourth Sunday of Advent. We celebrate the good news that the angels revealed to the shepherds that the Savior had been born. And the great company of the heavenly host who sang, Glory to God in the highest. Back when I was about nine or ten, uh, my dad heard that in downtown Chicago, they were going to be filming part of a movie. Uh, I thought that this was pretty cool. He asked if I wanted to go, and absolutely, I thought that would be awesome. Um, not only were they filming a scene of a movie, uh, but they were filming a very spectacular scene. It was the movie Backdraft. Uh, it was with Kurt Russell, if you remember that movie. Um, just because I speak of a movie from the pulpit doesn't mean I endorse it. Um, it is rated R. Um, I got to see part of it being filmed, so uh, uh, hear those words with caution. Um, but um, there's this scene in the movie that we got to watch being filmed that involves a fire truck because the movie is about firemen in Chicago. And the fire truck is going to the scene of a fire, and it takes a corner. And as it does, it takes a corner a little too sharply, ends up on its side, and actually skids down the street. Um, we got to see that happen. It was awesome. Um, it didn't happen naturally. There was this little bump that they went over, and you know they kind of manipulate it to make it look, uh, make it look real. But it was it was awesome to, as a, a nine or ten year old uh, to see this fire truck going down the street and suddenly end up on its side. Um, one of the things that I was amazed by by how many people actually work on a film set. It is unbelievable. There are people all over the place. Uh, if you ever stick around to watch the credits at the end of a movie. They go on forever. There are so many people that work behind the scenes. Um, 
And you know what? As I was thinking about angels this morning, it kind of reminded me of the fact that angels are like those people who work on the set of a movie or on a play. They're the behind-the-scenes actors in God's creation. Angels are behind the scenes working in God's kingdom. You know, last week Steve revealed a very valuable truth to us. He said God's work in this world is more real than it is apparent. And that could not be more true in the work of angels. The work of angels is more real than it is apparent to us, is it not? Now, we really don't know a whole lot about angels. This whole topic of of the spiritual realm, of spiritual warfare, uh, is one that we're often curious about but don't have a lot of answers to. Uh, Growing up, my knowledge of angels came from the Frank Peretti books. If you remember Frank Peretti, uh, his book, uh, This Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness. I read those when I was maybe 9 or 10 as well. Um, And in those books, Peretti describes this world with angels and demons all around us, uh, engaging in epic battles against each other. The angels and demons are making people do things like lose their keys or you know, not allowing their cars to start for, for various reasons. And after reading these books, uh, I just remember riding my bike down the street and wondering, is there an angel flying over me right now? Is there an angel protecting me? Um, Peretti's books are obviously fiction. He writes it from that standpoint. But how fictional are they? What do we really know about the presence of angels in our lives? Well, we can look to Scripture. Um, scripture has uh, lots of uh, of of, of stories, uh, of encounters with angels from various people. Uh, many people have encountered angels. Abraham encountered angels. When they came to his tent, they told him that he was going to have a son. Sarah laughed because she didn't believe that that could happen in their old age. And those angels then went on to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, and they were the ones that helped Lot and his family to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. Jacob encountered angels in his dream with this ladder that's extending from the earth to heaven, and he saw angels ascending and descending. Moses actually encountered an angel at the burning bush. Uh, scripture says that it was an angel that, that, um, that he encountered there. You remember the very famous story of Balaam and his donkey as he's going along, and suddenly his donkey keeps veering to the side, and he He beats the donkey because he feels like he's not obeying. And then the donkey speaks to him and says, there's an angel in front of us. Can't you see what's going on? Um, Joshua came face to face with an angel, the commander of God's army, as they were about to enter into the promised land, as they were about to to conquer uh, Jericho. Gideon spoke with an angel. Samson's parents spoke with an angel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were visited by an angel in the fiery furnace. Daniel by an angel in the lion's den. Uh, And what would the Christmas story be without angels? Zechariah in the temple was visited by the angel Gabriel. Mary was surprised by Gabriel in her home. Joseph multiple times. We don't know much about Joseph, but we know that these encounters happened where he was visited by angels. Uh, Angels announced to the shepherds, uh, obviously. Angels ministered to Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness. They were the first to announce the resurrection. They were there at his ascension, speaking to the disciples. 
Angels helped Peter out of prison. You cannot read the book of Revelation without coming face to face with angels. So Scripture is fraught with angels and references to the spiritual realm. Well, what is God's purposes for angels? Um, we can speak to a few this morning. Uh, angels, as our uh, passage says, are ministering spirits. They are sent out as messengers from God. Gabriel, obviously, is the most famous of these messengers. God uses his angels to speak to his people, to bring revelation from God, usually in extraordinary circumstances. With Zechariah, with Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, they're all classic examples of God speaking to us or to his people through angels. So they're God's messengers, but that's not all they do. Angels are also fighters. They're protectors of God's people. My parents named me after an angel, the archangel Michael. Now, I don't know if that's what they were actually thinking when they named me, but that is the case. You hear of two angels in the Bible. You hear of the angel Gabriel and the angel Michael. And throughout the book of Revelation, it is Michael who leads the host of heaven against the forces of evil. But there are other places as well where the heavenly host fight battles for God's people in their miraculous times. Uh, we hear of several times when armies were coming to camp against Israel. They were encamped, and during the middle of the night, suddenly angels come. There is great chaos. The armies turn on each other, and they are wiped out. And the Israelites come the next morning, and they say, What happened? God's heavenly host has fought the battle for them. And there's a famous incident with Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 6. The king, of, the, the king of Syria was quite angry with Elisha. He was so angry with Elisha and he wanted him killed so that he sent his whole army to surround the city where, where Elisha was, the city of Dothan. And in 2 Kings 6, verses 15 through 17, we read this. When the servant of the man of God, that is Elisha, rose early the next morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha said, Don't be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, Elisha had the eyes to see. God had given him the eyes to see uh, the behind the scenes of what God was doing. And when he prayed for his servant, his servant was also able to see. That veil was pulled up, and he was able to see what was going on in reality. In reality, not just in the physical world, but in reality. This is the very definition of God's work in the world being more real than it is apparent. We don't see with our physical eyes the spiritual realities of what is always happening, even right now. But are the spiritual realities any less real? Of course not. 
they are even more real. If we compare God's angels to the behind-the-scene workers of a play, what they are doing offstage is reality. We don't always see it, but so much goes into the workings of a play. Uh, that is true with God's angels as well. We may not be aware of what is happening. We may not understand how everything is working out together, but we see the results on the stage. We see the curtain coming up. We see the sets. Uh, we see the results of what God is doing through angels, even though we may not see that in our lives with our physical eyes. In the end, angels are also going to play a role in executing God's justice. Uh, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that this morning, but Jesus tells us in the Gospels that angels will play a significant role in bringing in God's elect. When Christ comes again, when Christ comes to defeat Satan once and for all, angels will play a major role in that, in the defeat of Satan and his armies. So angels are real. Angels are real, and God uses them for his purposes. And God's purpose was very clear one dark night on the plains outside of Bethlehem. You know, one of the most amazing aspects of the birth of Christ to me is the presence of these angels. I mean, if we would close our eyes and just imagine what it was like to be those shepherds, to suddenly, in the, in the dark of night, with sheep bleeding all around, maybe a campfire that's set, uh, maybe some of them settling in for the night, resting, suddenly this man appears that is just brilliant, lights up the night, I'm sure that they were terrified, as Scripture tells us. Can you imagine the fear that they had, this man of light, just coming out of nowhere? And he reveals to them that their Savior has been born. And as he does this, suddenly the entire sky is alight. In the middle of the night, it seems like it is the middle of the day. And can you imagine the sound of angel choruses, what that would actually sound like. I know it's great to have our children up here and to hear their voices, and it's beautiful. But can you imagine the sound of angels singing? When I was in college, um, starting in my freshman year, uh, I went every year uh, to a performance of the Kelvin Oratorio Society. They performed the Handel's Messiah every year in December. I went my first time when I was a freshman. I was introduced to it, and then after that, I went every single year. I fell in love. I was not uh, a fan of classical music uh, of that, uh, that style, but there was something about Handel's Messiah. I enjoyed the entire experience, but there's something that happens towards the end. You hear those chords uh, of the, the Hallelujah Chorus. Suddenly the, the whole crowd stands. They're on their feet as if one person. And you hear these almost angelic voices singing, Hallelujah. It's incredible. But the writing of Handel pales in comparison to the chorus of angels that were singing on that night in Bethlehem. 
as amazing as it would have been to listen to a concert put on by a chorus of angels. They were not the main event that night. You see, these angels were simply stage hands. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent out to serve, as our text says this morning? The angels are not the point as majestic as that would have been. Instead, this extraordinary chorus pointing to, pointed to something that seemed very ordinary and common. They pointed to the birth of a child. The message of the angels that night was very clear. The angels said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. And suddenly there were with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Their message was about good news of great joy. The Savior has been born, and they glorified God. It's like they were living out the first question and answer of our catechism. What's the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. What's the chief end of angels? It's to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Their first duty is to glorify God. So what do the angels teach us, this presence of this heavenly host? Well, they teach us that God is working and that his work is more real than it is apparent. Angels are proof of that. Without the eyes to see it, we're like the eyes, uh, we have the eyes of Elisha's servant. We are unaware of the spiritual realities around us, but that doesn't mean that it's not actually happening. When the curtain rises on a play and we see the beautifully crafted sets, you know, how did all that happen? People were working to make it happen. The presence of angels should be an encouragement and a comfort. God is at work. He is real even if our physical eyes do not see what is happening. And when the situation is necessary, God does not hesitate to use the extraordinary to reveal the presence of angels. But most often, God uses ordinary means to reveal himself. Now, honestly, wouldn't it be great if we had an angel to come and to visit us, to share God's message with us, if we have a major decision that we have to make, to have the angel Gabriel come and say, this is what God wants you to do, now go do it. That would be incredible. Imagine what that would do uh, to our struggles with faith. But God doesn't often use angels, does He? Instead, God often uses very ordinary means to reveal Himself to us and to strengthen our faith. When we talk about these ordinary means of grace, uh, I found a description of them from Table Talk, which is a daily devotional put out by uh, R.C. Sproul and Ligonier. They describe the ordinary means of grace this way. It says, In His grace and in His wisdom, God has provided ways by which we can regularly have our faith in His promises fortified. 
Isn't that what we desire, to have our, the strength or our faith in his promises fortified? Historically, we have referred to these ways of strengthening our faith as the ordinary means of grace. Prayer, the preaching of the word, and the sacraments. They're not elaborate or fancy methods of giving us what we need to confirm our trust in Christ. To an outside observer, they do not seem special at all. After all, they make use of rather common things such as human speech, bread, wine, and water. But by faith and the work of the Spirit, these common elements are used to do an uncommon work. The confirmation of our trust in Jesus and the strengthening of our wills to flee from sin and rest in Christ alone. As incredible as it would be to be visited by an angel, God gives us very simple and ordinary means where he ministers to us, where he speaks to us. And these ordinary means have great benefit in our lives. They are accessible to us. We have God's word available to us. You are hearing the preaching of God's word right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have uh, the sacraments that we celebrate on a regular basis. Uh, We have access to God through prayer. No one can take that from us. We don't have to wait for an angel to show up. We have access to God right now. He is accessible to us. In these ordinary means, we also have a consistency. We hear God's Word preached and taught weekly, maybe even more often. Uh, We can read God's Word daily. We can pray at all times throughout the day. We participate often in communion. There is a consistency there. Sometimes we take that consistency for granted. But it is there for us. God has also given us these means of grace in a way that is understandable. The ways in which our faith can be strengthened are packaged in ways that we can easily understand. You hear the words that I am saying right now. Hopefully you are understanding it. We read God's Word, and some parts are difficult. I admit that. But the basic plan of salvation and God's love for us is easily understood. And when we use sacraments, we use these elements that are easily understood by us. We use bread. We use wine or grape juice. We use water to symbolize great, deep spiritual truths. And by using these things, it also makes the strengthening our faith something that is, that is tangible, that we can actually place our hands on, that we can taste, that we can touch as we eat the body of Christ, as we drink his blood, as we hold on to the word of God. As great as it would be to experience angels, angels are intangible. They are inconsistent. They are sometimes not easily understood. They are not accessible to us. We have to wait for them. But these ordinary means of grace that God has given to us in His mercy uh, are easily accessible to us. Yes, angels are amazing and praise God for them. They're incredible. But thanks be to God for the ordinary means of grace in which he ministers 
the gospel to us. You know, whenever God uses the extraordinary, it is not about the behind-the-scenes actors. When He uses the angels, it's not about them. It's about the main character. It's about Christ. God uses angels throughout the life of Christ to point to the incredible nature of the gospel and the love that God has for His people. You know, the plan of God, the gospel, the good news of salvation, it was so incredible, so, so off the wall, so unbelievable that he sent his angel Gabriel to Mary to tell her that even though she was a virgin, she was going to be with child. And not just any child. This child was going to be the son of God. That is incredible. Who in their right mind would have planned something so preposterous as this? So God reveals it to Mary through an angel. Otherwise, who would have believed it? She would have, what would she have thought as suddenly she was having morning sickness and suddenly she was starting to show, knowing that she was a virgin? What would she have thought at that point? So God reveals to her through the angel Gabriel. And without God revealing his plan to Joseph, how would he have believed Mary if she would have told him, I know that I'm pregnant, but you have to believe me. I'm still a virgin. Who in their right mind would have honestly believed a story like that? Without the angel's message, how could have Joseph had taken her as his wife? As we have seen, angels showed up frequently during the life of Christ as well. They ministered to him at various points. Um, and as we get on with his life, and then we come to his death, we notice something very striking. It's the absence of angels. When Christ is there hanging on the cross, what does he say? He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because on the cross, the ministry of angels was absent. On the cross, God's protection of His Son was removed as Jesus bore the weight of our sin. The angels stood by as God's Son bore the judgment for our sin on our behalf. But three days after the death of Christ, when the women came to the tomb to anoint His body, who was there? It was an angel. When they found the tomb empty, who would have believed that Christ had risen from the dead apart from the revelation of an angel? They would have simply thought that the body was stolen, but the angel revealed the good news to them. He has risen. He is not here. So in conclusion, we need to thank God for the ministry of angels. Thank God that He uses these ministering spirits to serve us, to share the gospel. That throughout redemption history, angels have played very important roles. And He still uses them today, even if we can't see exactly what He is doing. Thank God that angels point us to the work of Christ. That angels reveal to us the gospel. The good news that in Bethlehem, 
the city of David, a Savior has been born to us. That our Savior died in our place as our substitute, atoning for our sins. That He is not here, He has risen just as He said. And we can have confidence that our great Savior will come again because of the words of the angel. The angel spoke to the disciples as they were looking up to heaven, watching Jesus ascend, and he said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, he will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And we say, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen, and let us pray. Our most gracious God and our Father in heaven, we rejoice with the angels. And we say glory to God in the highest because your Son, our Savior, has been born in Bethlehem. And not only was he born, but he lived. And he lived a perfect life. He lived in our place and he died a death that we should have died. Lord, he atoned for the many sins that we commit. And we thank you for the words of your angels at his resurrection that he is risen. That he is not there. He is not still in the grave. Instead, he is with you in heaven. And we long for the day when your son will come back uh, to judge the heavens and the earth, to take his elect, to send out his angels to the ends of the earth, to bring in his elect. Father, we long for that day and we do say, come Lord Jesus, come. Until that day, I pray that you would continue to minister to us through the presence of your angels, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us to trust that even though we may not understand what is happening, that your work is more real than it is apparent, that you are working behind the scenes, you are working out all things for good. I pray that we would see that during this Christmas season, during this season of Advent, that we would see it always. Strengthen our faith, Lord, through these ordinary means of grace, through the preaching of your word, through prayer, and through these sacraments, that we may grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name alone that we pray. Amen.